to the Silverstring Data Protection Podcast. Uh, I'm Thomas Cowley. I'm here today with Alistair McKenzie. Good morning, Thomas. Alistair's our CEO, and uh, it seemed entirely appropriate to get him in to uh, have a chat about trends in the industry. So uh, Alistair is a veteran for... You probably don't even want to say how many years, do you? I'd rather not say right now, Thomas. <laughs> um, and he's highly focused on data protection. Um, and uh, what we wanted to do was just at uh, this time of year, and uh, if you're listening out of season, it's December at the moment, everyone starts to look at, well, what are the trends? Where have we been? What have we seen? Where are we going to? So looking back, looking forward, 2018, 2019. So we're going to start off looking backwards uh, and look at what we think are probably the top five trends or happenings in the data protection industry uh, in 2018. And I think probably absolutely top of those has got to be, and Alistair, you know, feel free to disagree, the advent of GDPR as a thing in May. Well, it's certainly been a thing, Thomas. <laughs> it has, um, and we've seen an awful lot of chat about it, and people making changes to their estate, um, and start to see it as a real threat to, um, well, to their wealth more than anything, because if they don't get these things right, there is the risk that they're going to encounter fines and investigations, a lot of regulatory pressure on that. Um, have you seen any sort of big changes happening on your, uh, your businesses you interface with regularly because of this? Well, I think from uh, an observation, I've seen uh, an awful lot of buzz, a lot of marketing messages uh, created that's influenced the vendors of data protection and data availability products. I think the bigger question is, and I'd be interested in your opinion, is have you actually seen buyers, notably service providers or end users, change their buying patterns as a result of GDPR, specifically in the data protection, backup recovery, disaster recovery market? Mm. Um, I don't think there's been a change in patterns yet in terms of what they're buying, when they're buying, um, but it's figured very largely in when they are making decisions. So previously, if we'd been talking to people about a data protection solution, the people we'd have been talking to are going to be procurement, and the guys who you know, hold the money, uh, and then the technical people who are the people making sure that the solution is architected right is going to hold the data. Uh, and in the last year, certainly in the deals that I've been involved with, I have seen people being brought in from compliance, and that is a new thing. Okay. And I think it means that people are taking this pretty seriously. They are aware of its impact because of those marketing messages you spoke of, um, which are coming, I think, from all of the big data protection and storage vendors. They're all talking about, you know, what happens with GDPR and why you need to be aware of it. But have you, have you actually seen any uh, clients, customers rip out or replace legacy systems simply because of GDPR or has it more been about how can we make best use of the features that we currently already have within our data centres, within our environment I don't to accommodate GDPR? I don't think it's a rip and replace in general. Um, and one of the things that I think we find in the industry is that people run on rails. There is what I, th I describe as a cadence to what happens. People make decisions on cycles, on annual cycles, and they make changes. Um, and I think that is filtering through now, but I don't think we've seen the full force of it because some of those anniversaries, because they might be three-year deals they're tied into, they haven't happened. But I think we are going to see that increasingly. I don't think I've actually signed off a deal to rip and replace, but I can definitely see some on the horizon where people are looking more into solutions that will deliver search for them. That's a big thing for GDPR, being able to search across the data that you have. 
Um, and I think in some of the more conventional products, it's a bit weak in that area. If it's particularly important to uh, that customer, they are going to find themselves in a position where they're thinking about different solutions. So eventually we will see rip and replace. But, but, given, but given that every technology vendor in every sector of IT has tried to use GDPR to plug, promote, persuade customers to purchase their new shiny offering, Specifically, when it comes to data availability, backup recovery, I'm thinking now specifically, backup recovery, disaster recovery, replication. Do people normally think, when they think about GDPR and, and buying solutions for GDPR, do they think, ah, backup recovery, disaster recovery, we need to look at that? Or are they looking more at things like encryption and security? I don't think it's even that. I think probably where... Where we are with data protection, we haven't seen the really sharp end of this because a lot of GDPR can be accommodated in the application layer. And that is somewhere we simply don't go. We are providing the plumbing and all of the background stuff underneath that is making that data safe, that is making that data secure and protected. So I think probably we've missed the sharpest area of that, but we're going to see it increasingly impacting on our solutions, especially where people review their policies and how much data they're keeping. And that is something which we have definitely seen where people are moving from keeping data forever to 30 days for operational reasons um, and to avoid keeping more than they need. That's the big impact it's had. Has it been a driver of uh, venture capital? We've seen an awful lot of venture capital in the backup recovery space, a lot of new startups, a lot of new disruptive innovators in, in the space. Is it GDPR that's driving that or is it? I think it's folded into it, okay. but they're answering kind of wider questions um, in that space. So, so that's GDPR, the advent of it. Um, another thing which is a really key trend, and it's not just 2018 we've seen it, but um, I think we've seen it more sharply in 2018, is the acceleration of the move to cloud. And this has been you know, driving into us for a few years. Um, but I think the thing that is really hitting home now is that applications that were on dedicated physical servers, they're coming to the end of their life. People want to virtualise. If you're looking to virtualise, if you're making that level of change, then quite possibly you might look to move that application to the cloud or even software as a service. So that's had an impact. Obviously, Microsoft 365 stuff's folded into that too. People still putting more and more on that platform, assuming it's secure, assuming it's a good platform for you know, data safety. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that is key to how we are seeing the acceleration of that move to the cloud. So it's a relatively short point there. It's, it's, it just, it's a thing that's happening in the background the whole time. Yeah, so I think what, what I think you're saying there, Thomas, is that although the technology is changing... It's the way the technology has been consumed, yeah, procured, absolutely uh, delivered, uh, and, and cloud is is yes, there is a huge amount of innovation and new technology has been brought out by some of the major public cloud providers, but what I'm seeing permeate into the buying patterns of the large enterprises is uh, they want agility from their cloud, and when it comes to backup recovery, something that traditionally has been sort of the pinch point, if you like, in speed of service, is they're expecting and demanding, if you like, more cloud-like attributes to their data protection backup recovery, yeah, rather than so. the actual technology yeah. itself. So that brings in things like, okay, how do I speed up the ability for my backup system to take on new workloads? How do I allow for commercials around backup and recovery to reflect usage patterns rather than 
the old style method as we know, you know people would do some work, try and size and configure and plan for a data protection platform for the next five years and buy everything up front and then find it was sitting on the shelf for the first year and not being used. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that's just not good enough anymore, I think, for the not at all. And financial director. And, and the, cloud, the cloud model there, again, comes into play, doesn't it? You buy what you need rather than provisioning everything right there and then to last you five years. And the other thing is you can't forecast that as accurately now as people are moving applications to the cloud. So you don't have the year-on-year -year growth of stuff on site. It's, it's you know, moving out to the cloud where it becomes, if you like, an invisible capacity away from what we, uh, what we see on site. So that's the move to the cloud. Um, Number three, snapshots rule and data reuse. This is a major trend in data protection, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think there's two things driving that. One is lack of, lack of patience and, and, and urgency. So nobody can be without their data uh, for very long. You know, they, they, they start getting panic attacks if they can't access a file. So if something isn't available, they expect to have it back now. They don't want to wait. They don't want to raise a call with their IT support department. And, and so speed of recovery, I think, is driving that. Snapshots move. are so, so snapshots, that, yeah. really. Are. And also self-service. Yep. Um, why should an application owner or a DevOps developer um, have to go to his IT support department, his backup administrator, to bring a file back if, if they can take control themselves? And Snapshot gives that level of simplicity that allows for that self-service function. And it kind of bounces off the whole virtualization trend as well because you are able to just provision stuff by policy too. So you might not need to ask your backup administrator to get it protected. It's protected by default, by snapshots on your disk array or whatever it is you've got. So it's uh, a background function. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think data reuse as well. Um, because you're taking the snapshots, you can reuse them much more easily. Um, it ties into DevOps as well. Um, if you have stuff that you've got which you've snapshotted, you can reuse that for other purposes. Obviously, analytics is a common one. So, and this is one of the things that you know um, might drive people away from tape is that they want stuff to be able to be bought back really quickly and easily data reuse, um, so you put it on disk as a snapshot, bring it back so you can reuse that for analytics or, or other purposes, test and dev is another one, uh, and yeah, it, it, it is something which people are starting to take for granted. Well, just just to hold you up a little bit there and slow you down, Thomas, in terms of looking at 2018, the term data reuse, we've certainly seen that grow in usage, um, certainly as a buzz term. My, my only Observation is, I hear about it a lot. Um, is it a bit like teenage sex? Everyone's talking about it, but no one's actually doing it. Have I yet seen people actually uh, implement these new data protection products simply for the function of, or the use case of data reuse? I'm not so sure. And it's a little bit like the term data lake. You know, just because there's a, a whole body of water there doesn't mean you say I want to drink it. You know? <laughs> um, might want to swim in it or or water ski on it, but do I want to drink it? I'm not so sure. So I, I'm still, jury's out for me really on that okay. usage pattern around data reuse. Yeah. Uh, number four, commoditization and data protection. Um, this is something you would have thought we'd be really concerned about as a data protection specialist, the, uh, the commoditization of it. And it is something we're seeing a lot of, certainly in smaller organizations where they can buy products like Veeam off the shelf. Um, but I think... The organisations we are more commonly involved with are larger organisations and the reason they come to us and the reason they talk to us specifically is the quality of service. Um, so although we are seeing commoditisation of licensing, commoditisation of hardware, commoditisation of 
putting your data into the cloud or wherever it's going. Um, I think it's not a defence, it's our extra value is that quality of service that you know we are using commoditised bits of kit to deliver our very high quality service. So I don't think it's some of the concerns us, is it? Well, I think it's like anything. I mean, if, if you look at the automotive sector, the materials that go into making a you know, modern car today are, are commodities, you know, steel, rubber, Absolutely. Like that. but it's how you put it together and how you configure it and how you drive the car that become the differentiating factors. Um, so, yes, certain elements of backup recovery is becoming commoditized, in particular some of the target devices, what media it goes on, they're very much under financial cost pressures. Uh, but ultimately, people know that what they're keeping on those systems are it's their data, and data so is only valuable. and data is only increasing importance. So, yeah. ultimately, the service when we come back to that point is is what's going to be the differentiator, and, and, and that doesn't go away. No. Uh, and finally, from 2018, um, you know what's been happening is the march of the appliances, and we've seen this over the past probably 18 months, maybe plus. Uh, this is where we are looking at what might be referred to as new generation data protection appliances. Um, common players in this would be Zerta, not Zerta, that's not an appliance, uh, no. would be uh, Rubric and Cohesity. I think they're the, the big punchy providers in this space um, with some really interesting functionality. Both of them have started from a standpoint of providing those as tin-based appliances. Where are they going to go in 2019? I think we'll see. Um, they are some really stand-up products, though, with some really clever solutions. So uh, I think that rounds out 2018 nicely, and we'll come back to the, the march of the appliances. Okay. So let's look forward to 2019. Um, and I have to say that uh, when I started out in business, I worked with a consultant who said, when you're crystal ball gazing, all you're going to see is a load of crystal balls. <laughs> um, but uh, let's take that risk and see what we can see going forward for at least the next 12 months. You're not um, going to hold us to it, though, right? Oh, no, absolutely. Um, we'll look back on this in 12 months' time and we won't laugh at all because we'll have got it all right. <laughs> or not. Um, so, I think there are some nailed-on things here. Number one, the uh, further growth of as-a-service and the commoditization that we are talking about just now. Um, and as we see more and more data protection solutions being offered as a service, where, and this is where Zerto comes in, you might want to put your replication in the cloud for instant recovery when you're being really you know, under a lot of pressure for those critical applications. Um, but what good is that commodity service unless you've got a high quality service layer over that and some really smart guys managing it and uh, this comes back again to the sort of managed services that we offer I think it's where we see things are going to happen what are your thoughts on it so I think there was a drive to um, simplify and you mentioned through the appliances so you know whatever my workload um, I've got a solution that's going to solve all my problems and that clearly didn't happen and as IT's become quite fragmented. You know, you've got multi-cloud, multi-vendor technologies, multi-operating systems. You've seen in many companies a proliferation of different vendor technologies. Uh, for example, you know, virtual environments often use a different data protection platform to legacy Very uh, Unix, so. yeah. Unix or Oracle backup systems and things like that. So um, that was driven by you know needing specific point solutions to do a job. But obviously that's added at a level of complexity. And the reason why I think the managed service and the software as a service model has increased is that if you can put a wrapper around that to deliver uh, all of these technologies under one banner as a service, 
then obviously it's got a lot of value to a corporation. Let, let the service provider worry about the service catalogue and how backup recovery is delivered rather than having to manage multiple point products within an environment. And that will bring clear service benefits as well as one would assume the consolidation of that service would bring some cost benefits as well. So what we're seeing is potentially with the growth of as a service, people might just be buying an SLA, service level agreement. Well, nobody wakes up in the morning thinking about, you know, what is my backup um, software doing today? You know, they just assume it's a, it's a thing that runs in the background and protects their data. So um, ultimately what they care about is the SLA. And uh, whether that's internally driven or whether it's uh, managed by an external service provider doesn't really matter. Um, that's down to the choice of the individual corporation. Absolutely. So that's uh, our um, tip for 2019, number one. Number two is the convergence of data protection. Um, and when we were talking about this before, Alice, you kind of went through uh, what seems like a vast range of different data protection sort of things and flavours. What were they? Because you, you reeled them off so quickly last time, I can't remember. Yeah, apologies for that. So we, we talked about use cases for uh, secondary storage. And, and increasingly, backup recovery has just been seen as one use case amongst many in that secondary storage space. Um, so people need um, operational recovery uh, for day-to-day recovery of important files. Uh, but then they also need... Uh, long-term preservation of data. For We talked about compliance and governance, uh, meeting some of these new regulations we mentioned GDPR previously. Um, and then we have talked about how can we get value from all of this stored secondary data? You know, can we mine it for analytics? You know, this concept of data reuse. Or is there some sort of machine learning we can apply against it to get greater insights into what's going on in our environment? Can we use it for support? Can we use it for... Um, predicting which nodes would be likely subject to uh, recovery failures, for example. So the term you used earlier, which I really, really like, was actually mega solutions. And I think that we are seeing some mega solutions out there which are answering many different use cases. And I think that's a really interesting trend that I think we are going to see more of in 2019. Yeah, I liken it to um, the iPhone wasn't one technology. It was multiple technologies converging onto a platform um, and brought together into a simple handheld device. And that convergence, I see the same thing happening in, in backup and recovery and disaster recoveries that I don't want multiple technologies. If you can sort me out with a solution, that could be a software-defined solution, or it could be an appliance. Bringing all of those functions together just makes the life of the IT administrator and the IT department in general that much simpler. Let's also not forget procurement, because if they can go from multiple vendors to one vendor, it's a lot of time saving yes. and potentially money saving. So, uh, yeah. yeah, convergence of data protection solutions. Um, number three, and I think probably you're going to have to sell it to me uh, almost as hard as um, data reuse. You had, to, uh, <laughs> had you, you brought contention on that, because... I saw a thing recently, and it really did spring to mind to me. Um, you know, what's the difference between machine learning and AI? Machine learning is probably scripted in Python, whereas AI, it's on PowerPoint. Uh, and uh, so, so where do you see? Because this is something that Alistair felt very strongly about the rise of AI into data protection. Because it is obviously a big move at the moment. Where where do you see that cutting in in twenty nineteen? Whether it's in our area or or other areas of data protection. Yeah. So like. Like we've said before, you know, machine learning is a tool and it's a tool that's in, in demand, particularly in the IT department, because 
with IT budgets under constraint, under constraints, um, budgets uh, don't allow you to just hire lots and lots of administrators. Uh, and uh, with the pressure to transform businesses caused by business transformation, business disruption, that leaves less lit resource to do some of those mundane administrative housekeeping tasks and backup recovery, as we know, is often deemed a necessity, a, a housekeeping task, a necessity, but still a housekeeping task. Um, so anything that can bring automation into play to, to be used by the specialists, backup administrators, disaster recovery specialists as a tool to help them do their job can only be a good thing. And one of the, the, the use cases we see is obviously within that backup environment, if you can extract that into a metadata layer, you can then, you've got all of that trending information. Surely there's some observations that a machine can pick out much quicker uh, and much more regularly than a, than a human operator. I think we're st- touching on another thing which is probably slightly outside of our sphere but I keep on seeing buzzwords being thrown about. Robotic process automation which RPO, I keep on seeing yeah. the rise of vendors in that space so uh, yeah I think it ties back into the, the, the rise of AI in what we do on our day to day jobs in, in, in business. So uh, number four uh, the realisation of the GDPR threat and I think we've already covered this in the sort of 2018 space is that it became a thing it was a thing we all had to react to with a lot of marketing messages in 2018 certainly before May but the, the, the noise and signal that's amongst that noise has continued since then the thing that I don't think we've seen in uh, 2018 uh, is the actual prosecution of businesses for non-compliance in GDPR and data breaches and I think in 2019 we are absolutely going to see some pretty big court cases going through where people have had a data breach, they've not managed to catch it in time, they've not managed to protect themselves effectively enough or the fallout has had a massive effect on their customers so GDPR really cutting out, sharpening its teeth and taking a bite out of some organisations and that's obviously where the solutions that we're providing are going to help people protect themselves from this and get themselves in the right shape to make sure they are in a position to uh, operate confidently and with peace of mind. Anything you want to add there? Yeah, only in that we are seeing some uh, developments from some of the vendors. Uh, for example, just to, without doing too much plugging, um, IBM will be announcing in the new year uh, their concept around retention sets, which is basically enabling... Uh, point in time copies of data say month end year end and being able to store that I can see that as playing nicely into the uh, the requirements of compliance in general and GDPR in particular uh, and then you've got this rise of CDP continuous data protection and we're on to number five he's walked oh, straight through onto apologies. it no, that's fine um, so continuous data protection CDP um, this is quite a new thing um, and I think really I mean, your hands on this one. What, what do you see going on with continuous data protection and, and how is it going to affect the market in 2019? Well, you referenced uh, how long I've been in the data protection and storage market, uh, Thomas, before. And certainly when I uh, first entered this market, the, the idea of a nightly backup you know, run, obviously when the office was closed, no work was going on, the only thing you had to worry about was performing the housekeeping task of backup in between the the mainframe batch run, uh, and once once a night was good enough. But now that we're into you know very fast, agile development of applications and always on business trading, the concept of 
it been acceptable downtime to have you know potentially lose 24 hours worth of productive work or 24 hours worth of creative data is just unacceptable so what we're seeing is the advent of uh, through the concept of CDP continuous data protection snapshots um, continuous replication as well is providing that resiliency layer that availability layer that is taking copies of your data you know not just every 24 hours but every hour or potentially every every few minutes it's just um, for some applications it's becoming a necessity uh, rather than nice to have and I think probably more than that we're going to see CDP replacing straight replication where people have replicated servers with where they're looking for synchronous replication for their critical apps continuous data protection does it in a different way provides much the same level of protection and uh, I think potentially more than that is going to allow us to orchestrate that too when we're looking at recovery. So, uh, so yeah, I think that is a pretty big trend that we're going to see going in 2019. So, top five from 2018, top five from 2019. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and uh, we've been Silverstring. This is the Data Protection Pro- Podcast. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, you listening to us again. Thanks, Mike.